As we record this, we've been watching the coverage surrounding George Floyd and the subsequent spotlight on systemic racism. We've been talking before the show about what we would say. We felt that the right thing to do is to acknowledge it because to say nothing is to endorse the status quo. We'll continue to educate ourselves on the topic. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod. I'm Ben Smith. And I'm Rafe Blanford. This is season 18, episode 7. And this week we're talking about lockdown health and fitness, photos and keeping your data safe, and follow up some listener feedback. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Hello. Very well, thank you, Ben. Hello, Ben. Hello, Ewan. Hi. Hello from Muscat. Hello, hello. Speedy intros this week. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Jason wrote in and said, um, now I don't have a commute. I don't get to listen to all the show and I missed the content because of the chat at the beginning. So, well. Uh, right. Less waffles. We'll space it out. What do you mean he misses the content? What do you mean about that? I know. I, I did have to go back and look at the episode plans to work out which bit was officially content and which bit was waffle because they did have one of them merged. <laughs> yeah. I will just point out that I think people consider the core content, the kind of topics around mobile and the things around it, not the Ben jokes and not the you and banter at the beginning of the show. I didn't know if we actually Ouch. did banter. Um, but I may be wrong. Listeners, please correct me. I feel slighted. We're actually doing banter. It's just, it's introducing each other and saying, how is it going? And, you know, wherever you live. So for those who haven't listened to the show either for a while or are new to the show, you're McLeod, you are in the Middle East in Amman Muscat. Tell us what it's like there. That's right. It's very, very hot. And in fact, I'll just have a look and I'll I'll give you a live temperature reading. Uh, Hold on. It's an Android phone, so it doesn't have proper, you know, login. We'll get letters. Uh, oh, it's currently 33 degrees. 33 degrees. There you go. This afternoon, it was 44 in the car. Really hot. Lovely blue skies. Lovely blue skies. Yeah. All right. Shocking. The sky is blue. Right. Next revelation. I was going to say, as you listen to this at some unspecified point in the future, good to know that at some point in the past, it has been warm in Amman. <laughs> uh, Rafe Blanford, you are live in central London. How is lockdown London? I am indeed. Well, it's starting to change a little bit. A few more things are opening up. We're recording this sort of at the 9th of June, and we're knowing that in the near future, more shops will be open, but very much with social distancing still in effect. So it's still a bit weird going out. You are now seeing lots more people with masks, and there is definitely a change in behaviour. But we're now sort of 12 weeks into having working from home in my case, and I think a lot of people are similar. So, you know, the new normal kind of well and truly established and looking at a summer of things are going to be restricted and constrained in many ways. But we've talked about some of the impacts on the show, home office, all going well. So I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah. It's, wait, um, wait, 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 wait. What's the temperature? Uh, the temperature... Just, no, no, no. Look at your Apple Watch and it'll tell you the answer. 17 degrees. Oh, that's that's cool. There we go. From Hello from Barmy, Hampshire, where... Um, How is it? It's a pleasant spring evening. What's the temperature? 15 degrees, if you need to know. Okay. But... Uh, I think listeners will be mildly <laughs> interested. I don't think Jason will be interested. No, I, I, other I, listeners might I think be. you're asking just to deliberately to wind me up now. <laughs> the school's gone back. So we are... Well, my son has gone back to school. It has changed the dynamic of our life. But yes, you're right, Rafe. We're still working from home. So I think mm. in the next few weeks, there's going to be some more working from home content, which is either brilliantly useful. And lots of people have written in to say, you know, thank you for covering those topics because it's not necessarily the most exciting stuff, but it is useful because 
Mm. Working from home, you need different stuff. But if you don't, apologies, we are feeling it too. Because there are some days I think it's great. And there are some days I really just want to go to the coffee shop and sit in my office and have normality. It's weird. I didn't expect to miss going on trains because at any other time I would have told you commuting was miserable, but I missed the routine. Mm. Okay, let's move on. A mm. little bit of follow-up before we start the show proper. Steve wrote in and let us know about, we've been talking about robot vacuum cleaners too much on the show recently. And Steve wrote in and told us that he'd recently stayed at a travel lodge, I believe, which is a sort of a budget motel chain here in, in the UK. Mm. I have to say, I stayed in them a lot for work in the past. And he had looked on the floor under his bed one day and discovered a bright yellow robot vacuum cleaner, which has sort of gone to sleep under there. That is cool. And he'd asked the manager there, and they had this whole trolley. He sent me a picture, this whole trolley of these robot vacuum cleaners, which obviously the cleaning staff walk along the corridor outside the bedrooms and put them on the floor and they go off into the rooms and hoover. So yeah, amazing use of sort of industrial cleaners. Obviously his one had given up and gone to sleep. It should have probably gone back to the trolley rather than sleeping under his bed. That is really interesting. Rafe, you said you've seen some more industrial kind of robots. I have actually, in this case, it was uh, robot lawnmowers, which I think it's fair to say were significantly more successful than Ewan's attempt. Oh, come on. And I asked as well, and it was basically the message was it was cheaper to have a robot vacuum cleaner and one maintenance person could go and set it off and have it running around. And this is actually while the attraction uh, was a kind of heritage site was open and have it kind of do the maintenance because then the other person could go away. And it was cheaper to do that than having an extra person. So, you know, when people talk about the robots taking people's jobs, quite literally that kind of easy mm. automation of lawn mowing and cleaning of hotel rooms. And I'm sure in both cases, sort of someone did the sums and worked out that this would be a cheaper way of doing it. But it's kind of the fact that this has become an industrial application. It's become the more effective, efficient way to do it. It's not really a surprise because there's robots now in warehouses, Amazon and other distributors are famous for it, kind of optimizing, trying to reduce the highly repetitive tasks. But it's kind of interesting to me as a kind of consumer, someone who's been interested, and indeed all of us have got them in the home, that it's sort of now maturing. And one of the trends has actually been industrial use of robots has run ahead of that in the consumer space in many ways, because there's actually a lot of instances of it, but seeing it kind of in those public spaces, whether it's lawnmowers or vacuum cleaners and hotels, yeah, just really interesting. So thank you for sharing that experience. Mm, very cool. Yeah, if you spot them out in the wild, we want your photos, please. I'm fascinated. I, I feel like there's a whole world of that kind of side I'm sure of I did one. Do you not see my one from Oslo last year? Do you remember that? Uh, no. I'm sure I did a... Thank you. I did an Instagram or a Twitter, I'm sure. I tend to just delete all your texts. Thanks for that. Because they, they use them a lot in the city centre in Oslo. Yeah. You can actually see them just parked there. Yeah. yeah. Certainly. I mean, we're still loving ours, although um, it's not all roses in Roborock territory here in the Smith household. I had an emergency <sighs> oh dear. Um, request for technical support from a friend I'd recommended the S5 Max to. And mm-hmm. um, all the UK retailers are sold out of all the accessories. So if you need uh, brushes or um, replacement, uh, what was he after? I think it was after replacement brushes and replacement mops, which just mm-hmm. consumables, basically. They're out of stock and there is, obviously there isn't a... Um, you can wash the mop. You can, no. You he, wash it, just put some fairy liquid on it. But this is what happens when you have a famous robot vacuum influencer like Ben recommending it to people. The sales spike and there's no accessories to be had for love or money. Mm-hmm. So your That's friend right. was quite right to reach out to you and blame you, Ben. <laughs> Absolutely. He's thoroughly blamed me. So, um, I mean, obviously this, this stuff's available through Amazon normally, but it just yeah. uh, reminded me that actually sort of, I think it's probably 
during lockdown where people have sort of bought stuff, yeah. different domestic stuff, it might be harder to find. So have a look at AliExpress. There's lots of stuff on AliExpress as well. There is. I did have a quick look and I've ordered some stuff for him from there. But one of the challenges, and I never thought I'd hear myself say this, I had trouble finding genuine Xiaomi stuff. Wow. Mm. So obviously we've sort of slagged them in the past on the mobile point for sort have of we? not counterfeiting, but well, for copying other brands. I've always been a fan of Xiaomi. I like what they've done, but they have always run the risk of being charged with copying other people's industrial designs. Yeah. Oh, an Apple. Apple. Can I, yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine. Right. 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 Okay. And, and particularly the Huawei products and other and stuff. So I never thought I'd be on there sort of looking to try and avoid f- fake components. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting, but I think that's probably an indicator that they are getting much more popular and much more mainstream now. Mm-hmm. Should move on. I just wanted to flag something else. Malcolm's written a, a comment on the site Hello, for last episode, which obviously is there for everyone to read, but I just wanted to flag it because he made a really interesting point about, we talked about the real-time banking in the last episode, mm. and he's just flagged there's a personal finance app called JABP, just another banking program, there's the acronym. And he said, um, it's really cool because it doesn't rely on complicated web hooks or push mechanisms, which was the kind of thing that I talked about hooking up my Starling account to my... Um, personal budget software and having to have it send notifications called webhooks. He says that on the Android version of the app, that app can monitor the push notifications that the various banks send and it gathers the data from there and imports the transactions from the push notifications. So he says that works with Google Pay or PayPal as well as um, he's got Starling, Monzo and Revolut, which he uses that way. I thought it was really cool. Obviously that wouldn't work in iOS because of the sandboxing between Mm. apps. But if you're an Android user, take a look. He says uh, he downloaded it from Freepok, Rafe. I don't know what that is, but he feels that you might remember that. Mm, Rafe knows what that oh, is. Well, Come on. I can give you a bit of history here. So Freepok was actually a kind of a software house going back to the Cyan days because that was the name of the operating system that ran on the Cyan. Oh, God, we started him off. And was the predecessor of Symbian. And I can remember using just another banking program back on my Cyan Series 5. And it has That's the one with the keyboard. lasted all this time and... I think uh, Malcolm Bryant, I think, is the author of this and has you know, updated it ever since and obviously has gone through various different operating systems, including Cyan. Well, Malcolm think, wrote JABP. I believe so, yeah. Wow, that's impressive. I didn't notice that. Okay. Apologies. Oh, he's, he's, he's being very British, you know, not saying, you know, I've written this amazing piece of software. Awesome. Yeah. So if you want to go and find that, that's at freepoc.org and that's free and then poc.org. Let's have a look at freepoc. So yeah, thank you for writing in, Malcolm. I have been a fan of you for many years. Have you met Malcolm? I think I did meet Malcolm at one of the... Oh, uh, actually, I should say it the other way. Has Malcolm met you? Because of course... No, no, no. I think it was at one of the sign meets that I'm pretty sure I met Malcolm, but not for many years. So thank you for writing in, Malcolm. Oh, cool. Well, we'll definitely check it out. Rafe will endeavour to uh, download it and use it and give us uh, his thoughts. But uh, I, d- yeah, I had no idea that any of that was possible. And it does sound a bunch easier than setting up webhooks. Quick, jarring change of direction. We talked the other week about office furniture and chairs and things, yes. which you know, sort of shouldn't have been interesting, but is important mm. right now if you're trying to work at home without injuring yourself. And I couldn't remember what IKEA products I had. I just said some random no-name chair. I'm going to do a visual gag on an audio medium, so this is going to be successful. Go on. It turns out, gentlemen, I've got the clap. Ah. Ah, right. Did you find this quite literally down the back of your chair, Ben? Yes. So underneath the chair is a little pocket where there's a 
paper leaflet of instructions, and the chair is the KLA umlaut PPE, the clap. Now, see, I think, I hope that all of our Swedish listeners, both of them, I wonder, is that clapper? Probably. Clapper? Or is it clap? I wonder. I think it might be clapper. I don't know, because I have spent some time in Sweden. Yes. But I might have got it completely wrong. I think it's safe to say that anybody who's come to this podcast has not come for the accuracy of our foreign language pronunciation over time, because I think we routinely butcher Merger things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> these yeah, words. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, one final little bit of feedback before we move on. Yeah. John wrote in, thanks very much, John. It's going to embarrass us, Ewan. So John was given a, a bit of a pushback on our assessment on the UK legacy banks. Okay, right. I'm going to try and summarise the email. He gave quite a lot of examples, and I'm just going to assume he's right because he's taken the trouble to write them all out. But what he was saying was that some of the criticisms about the speed of transactions and yes. the need to use chip and pin type machines to do Readers. either yes. higher value transactions or set up new payees wasn't universal. Yeah. And um, he points out that the RBS and NatWest apps, uh, you can add new payees without a card reader. And um, I feel, you and that you and I probably should have some insight into that. Yeah, wait, oh, no, wait a minute, John. Wait a minute, John. Wait a minute, John. Adding the payee isn't the problem. Sending money to them is the problem. Because unless, maybe they've changed it in the last few weeks. But for me, yeah, go on. Well, to be fair, I think I was specifically talking about the nationwide one, which does require you to use the chip and pin machine, even to add the new payees. But uh, yes, for those unaware, uh, Ewan and I both worked on the RBS and NatWest mobile banking apps within recent living memory. And whilst not experts uh, on all things RBS and NatWest, I probably should have remembered that actually... I I still know people that do. Yeah, we we, we both do. Does that mean that we're kind of still reasonably current? I don't know. Actually, the RBS and NatWest apps, which are the same app with different skins, I think are probably some of the better ones. And it's fair to say that Lots of the banks, I've seen some commentary this week about how Barclays have been learning quickly from challenge mm. banks. I think that's a, an interesting pushback. I'm not sure I necessarily agree that the performance of the legacy banks is so great that the challengers don't have opportunities there. But uh, certainly the situation is not universally bad in all dimensions in the way that perhaps we gave the impression of there. Yeah, fair points, John. Fair points. Yeah. Something where I do absolutely agree with John, he makes the point that for money management, nobody has bettered Microsoft money 20 years ago. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? That was good. He said it downloaded his data in all different formats. It even had investments and multi-currency and that kind of stuff. And it had really granular budgeting on categories and subcategories. And John, absolutely dead on. I used Microsoft money for a long time and really liked it. Yeah, me too. It wouldn't let me do the kind of envelope budgeting style that I now like to do with You Need a Budget, but actually... It was brilliant and I used it for years. And he says that there is a sort of a legacy sunset edition that's available for free now. But all my data lives in the cloud and that's where I prefer to work. But if you're interested, check yeah. out uh, Microsoft Money. Last published 20, oh, uh, 6th of May, 2010. There we go. Yeah. But no, I had no idea about that. That was still available. So thanks for writing in, John. Much appreciated. Thank you. Okay, we should move on. Mm-hmm. Enough follow-up. We are going to talk about health and fitness now because... Looking at the camera in front of me, looking at these two fine specimens of mm. health and fitness. Thank you. Uh, Blanford is bouncing on his chair. <laughs> Are you actually on a treadmill at the minute, Blanford? No. Right. It's probably as well that we only use the video during the recording so we don't actually publish it because what I see in front of me is two men who 
desperately need a haircut and <laughs> probably some sleep as well. <laughs> yes. So we touched on running. I talked a few episodes ago about doing the Couch to 5K and how much yep. I really appreciated using an app to help me. But we wanted to go on a bit further because whilst none of us are health and fitness enthusiasts, there's clearly more you can do than just running. And you and McLeod, behind you, yep. in the room you're sitting in, there in Muscataman, there is a running machine, yes. and I've only ever seen them used to dry clothes. So could you just <laughs> explain to me what they're for? Okay, right. See, so I have asthma. So and now and again, running, that can, vigorous running can irritate my lungs. It just gets annoying. I have inhalers. Not, so I, I am very careful with my breathing when I'm exercising and I've noticed that actually on the street running or whatever the, the stuff that you're doing. Outside, as we plebs call it, yeah. Outside running. I find that a little bit more annoying on my lungs. So I, I, uh, a while ago, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll try it on the treadmill because it's a lot easier for me to control my breathing. It's a lot more straightforward. And so that's actually why I went and got one. Normally, I would run or jog in the gym, but I, I actually just ordered one a couple of weeks ago, actually inspired by you, Ben inspired by you hashtag health influencer <laughs> and a health and robo rock influencer yeah. what i do is i walk during meetings that's really useful because i'm at home and actually listening to you saying oh i've just been doing this couch to 5k and i'm feeling amazing and i'm sitting there feeling my muscles atrophying i'm sure we've all <laughs> been doing this right because it is quite difficult especially if you're doing the type of work that i think the three of us are doing which is you know, sitting on microsoft teams or equivalent yeah. You know, for yeah. eight or 10 hours a day. That's been annoying me. And then I, I also jogging in 40 degrees isn't really that. I see some people do it, but I don't. So running machine, I have been doing some running on it and I, I really do like it. It's uh, very good, but it's got Android. If I turn the laptop, you can see the, the, the little, it's got a screen thing in there, right? And it's Android 6. Oh, ouch. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's got embedded in it. It's got Amazon, Amazon Prime Video. It's got Netflix. So you can buy a better running machine on your old running machine. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the running machine is one of the best you can buy, but this is somewhat irritating. You can add it to Wi-Fi, okay, mm-hmm. which I did, and then you can update. The trouble is Netflix won't work. Amazon Prime Video won't work because the apps have been discontinued. You have to upgrade them. Yeah, so that's not ideal. But if you have got space, uh, it just so happens I have space in this particular room I was going to say right to my wife, like, shouldn't we get a running machine? She said, get one now, because she's been trying to get me to do some more running. And I've been using it daily. So sometimes I will literally, I'll take some calls you know, when I don't have to speak. I'll just listen. I'll do some, I'll do a thousand steps. Really good. And then just before we recorded, I had 20 minutes and I was actually going to do some research you know, instead of actually doing some exercise. And then I thought, no, 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 I spent a lot of money on the running machine. So I went on it and uh, for 19 minutes. I did um, a walk, run, walk, run, and so on. Highly recommend it if that's your thing. I, I, it works for me. You said to us before we recorded the show that you do calls and work on it, but you also were, were you watching those masterclasses you talked about in a previous show on it? Do you have the, the videos? And Yeah, I've been doing LinkedIn learning. It's really useful. I've been doing sort of, um, watching some kind of uh, executive education videos. Um, executive education. I want to be productive. So, for example, we're doing a lot with PMO program management offices. So I, I just got some, um, some videos and, and I, I like to try and watch the videos and listen to stuff while I'm walking or running. And the trick is not to do too much because then I can't do anything. I'm too busy panicking about breathing. 
So I have to, yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, there, there is, a, there is a, an, an 85% exertion limit that I have to be careful at. Otherwise, I'm doing nothing or doing everything badly. So if we're trying to give some people some actionable advice here, mm. is it worth getting these products with you know, smart operating systems built in? Or would you just slap a, like an iPad on the shelf and just use what you've got? No, I think, I think that would be a way. I, actually, I, I might use it if it actually worked, but this is the problem. It's not supported, so I, I wouldn't recommend that at all. My view is use your existing tools. So I just put my AirPods on and then listen to, or listen or sort of watch. But if you're, if you're jogging, watching something is quite difficult, I think. And finally, Rafe, we'll come to you in a second, but I'm curious, like I'm about to go back to a, a sitting in front of a computer, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day kind of job because I've, I've been resting between jobs for a little while. And I'm curious about whether I'll be able to keep up the exercise. Can you actually do anything useful? Like, can you participate in a call whilst yep. walking along and the machine is not too noisy? Yes. You've got your Jabra headset on or are you? I've got my Jabra headset, right, that we did talk about. Okay, I'm wearing that. Yep. And then I just unplugged that, put it into the iPhone, swap onto Teams. And the great thing is with Teams in particular, I'm sure you can do it with, with Slack and others or whatever, but you can actually swap the audio stream from different devices. So when I know I don't have to say, yeah, there's lots of calls whereby I'm listening. And now and yeah. again, I have to say yes. So I'll unmute myself when I'm saying yes. Yeah, I agree. But what about this? And then I can mute myself again and then keep going. And I've been checking in with my colleagues to make sure they've not been hearing me. And then the key again is not to do too much exercise because I did that and then ended up having to go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I didn't, want, yes, I didn't want them to hear the heavy breathing and be going, yes, that's fine. You know, I did. So there's a few techniques to it. And by the way, in the UK, I used to rent a running machine. You can rent running machines. Good tip. Uh, if you do, do do some Google searches, it was actually really useful. This one I had to buy because they don't have renting running machines. I couldn't find any in Muscat. But in the UK, if you do have space in the garage or whatever, you can actually rent these things and try them out for a month. Actually, my top tip was a, a few years ago when you and I were both working at the banks mm. together. I got into the habit of trying to do walking whilst I was on my long conference calls, but I was walking outside the house because you know I didn't have a running machine. And I found myself having to find a quieter field to stand next to because the mooing and the bleating and the honking of the animals it was so obvious that it wasn't in my lounge. Yes. <laughs> it's all right. I unmuted and there was sort of the sound of sheep barring in the background and somebody did say, what's that? Uh, you got sheep in your house? <laughs> no. I miss the sound of sheep barring cows mooing. Well, they're quite noisy around. But, but you can pipe that in, apparently, Blanford. Not quite the same. Now, look, are we going to talk about Blanford and uh, his... No, no, we're not. You know, active. No. Come on. We do need to talk about Blanford. Your listeners want to know. So, yeah, I've done Couch to 5K. Yep. Ewan's got a running machine and he's using Teams whilst he's doing his calls. Rafe Blanford, how do you stay so beautiful and young? Um, I've been for... What's that behind your sofa? Yes. No, let's not talk about that. Come on. I've been for some lovely walks. Mm. What, in the city? Well, along the Regent's Canal, Victoria Park. It's actually kind of fun walking around central London early in the morning because it's... While you're working. No, this tends to be early in the morning and especially during prime lockdown, it was deserted. Mm. But um, yeah. 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 Okay. Next. No, no, wait a minute. I think listeners do want to know. You did share with us... The show notes say... Uh, yeah. Go on. Ask about Rafe's yoga mat. Yes. I didn't approve those show notes. Tell us. Well, I've said the words yoga mat now, so let's get it over with. Yes. Okay. Right. Come on. There is... A very nice yoga mat sitting behind my sofa. Right. It's blue. It's very nice. Has it actually been used for yoga? Um, 
Well, did you buy it in a moment of weakness? A number of my very lovely colleagues at Digitas have been encouraging me to try out yoga, and I've been meaning to do it for about two years now. Mm. But you can't rush these things. Well, no, but he's no. bought the yoga mats. He's basically done it. Well, let's drag this back to the topic of the show. If you were to get the yoga mat out and wipe the dust off it and actually do some yoga, would you use an app or a video series? Because TV, yeah. Because I took a bit of time and basically decided that in the end, all the Couch to 5Ks were pretty much the same because they basically said, go out and run every day and I needed an app. It didn't matter which one. But I think with yoga, there's more skill to doing it. So is there an app? Well, I'm assessing my options at the moment because I have uh, (laughs) installed a Couch to 5K app as well. And I can't decide between that and yoga because I'm obviously very changeable. But no, for the yoga, actually, again, through some lovely digital (sighs) colleagues, I understand that there are people who... um, are doing kind of live video streams on Instagram at the end of every day. And so I'm going to check that out. But there's also apps available for the Fire TV stick and for the Apple TV. I really hope that Mark kind of uh, takes the heavy breathing out from this particular section of the podcast. Thanks, Ewan. This section entitled Downward Facing Dog in Muscat. Yes. So I would be doing it at home and there are lots of apps. There's loads of stuff in this space. So I'm going to try and look into it and I will report back on what I feel I, works I well. I think I can feel a challenge coming on, listeners. Here we yes. go. Yep. Now, Rafe. There was Rafe. a reason I didn't want to talk about it. Anyway, the yoga mat is no. lovely. It's blue. It's non-slip. I need to unroll yes, it for the first it's, time. It's non-slip. Have you, is it still in cellophane or plastic? Possibly. Oh my gosh, Rafe. Okay, right. I, uh, I don't know. Where's my wife's... Uh, yeah, uh, my yoga mat or her yoga mat that I use is here. I am a complete beginner with yoga, a complete total beginner. I'll do yoga with you. All right. Well, I'm thinking yoga or Pilates, and I've been recommended both by different people. So, uh, yes. All right. Future exciting instalment of three six one talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure this is great content, but anyway. What I'd say is, if you've got young people in your house, something we've been doing with my son is there's a YouTube channel called Jamie's Cosmic Kids Yoga, and she does yoga routines of between sort of five and 20 minutes. And then she does a sort of a Saturday routine, which is a bunch of routines and some meditation and stuff. And we've really enjoyed that. And the great thing there is that she talks through all of the different yoga poses in a really accessible way. And I mean, although it's for children, I can't remember which move is which. So actually, that was really nicely done. And I know that she's had lots of content distribution problems with YouTube, which is where she got famous. And it's it's really high production value stuff as well. I mean, it's, it's for children and it's lots of animations and things. But I would say, you know, like lots of money's gone into that production. But now she's got an app where you can buy the content and that sort of stuff. And I was beginning to think, actually, I really like Streaks for habit tracking, which is an iPhone app. And I got their workouts app, which is kind of a a special version of it for tracking exercise. And the problem is it says, do this exercise. I was like, I don't know how. Mm. I need a video of somebody to stand in front of me and to go, lift your leg. It should go this high. If it hurts, that's too much, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. So uh, what I would say is for me personally, that really helped. And actually, although I haven't used it, I'll come back and talk about it. I've been looking at instructor-led stuff now, a bit like Peloton, Yes, which previously would have absolutely laughed at because it's the ridiculous expensive bikes with the silly aspirational advertising but you don't have to buy one of the silly bikes anymore get the content right yeah well it's 13 pounds a month in the uk which is some Mm. but cheaper than a gym subscription and cheaper than a personal trainer Mm. which is my logic yeah 
And there's loads of instructor-led sessions, which includes yoga and different workouts and runs and all that sort of stuff. And again, really high production values. And I think it's kind of that balance between habit tracking app and instructional app. Because I managed to do my Couch to 5K and all it said was go out and do some running. But anything Mm -hmm. else other than that, I need some instruction. I need to know how to do it. Because I've hurt myself, I've injured myself running. And I think part of that is by not knowing what the signs were. Yes. You know, when it hurt, I carried on running and I should have stopped because I should have had some advice along with the thing that was just going beep, beep, beep in my ear, like, you know, come on, Mm -hmm. one more kilometer. So we're going to try it out. But certainly the workouts app, great. Streaks app, check out Peloton. And like I say, for kids, Jamie's Cosmic Kids Yoga, which is an app and a YouTube channel. So Blanford, either we can do some yoga together, right? Okay, we can work out, you know, pipe the YouTube in somehow, or make the following commitment, okay? And that is, and I know we haven't talked about it before this show, can you please do some yoga this week? I'll do the same. Right, I've never done it before, okay? I will give that consideration. Come on, all right, I'm going to race you, Blanford. I'm going to win. There you go. Reverse psychology for a brief, yeah. I know loads of our listeners will have their own recommendations and I'd love to hear them, please. Please, yes. Because I'd like to also know not just what do you recommend, because every time I've asked for recommendations, I get them, but I've always forgotten to ask why. Yes. So can you let us know what do you recommend and why does it work for you? Why do you like it? What does it help you with? Because chatting to a mate who is a really keen triathlete, the apps he likes are completely different to the ones I would because he's got a bunch of training, a bunch of experience, and a bunch of endurance. And he's looking for things that are, you know, very performancey and that kind of stuff. Mm. And it's about, you know, marginal gains. Whereas I'm looking for, you know, that's your left leg, put it there. That's your right leg, put it there kind of stuff. So it'd be interesting. But I still firmly believe that apps and those kinds of things are one of the best ways to get the habit going. Yeah. And certainly if you can't afford or can't access personal tuition, which let's face it, who can these days? Okay, recommendations, please. 361podcast.com, at 361podcast on Twitter. You can write into us, email us, either in public or privately if you prefer to. We'd always love to get your feedback. It doesn't just have to be on fitness stuff, but stuff that just like sort of health and well-being. It's really useful, yeah. But uh, yeah, please, none of that wellness nonsense. Only real health stuff, please. Oh, come on. Anybody's going to write in and say I should put a crystal in the corner of my room or um, you know that kind of stuff. I'm not having it. Switch your Wi-Fi off at night. Exactly, in case it melts my brain. Yeah. Mm. Ship might have sailed there. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. Another listener question. So Mark Hawkins wrote in. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Hi, Mark. I mean, actually, Mark gave me a whole bunch of really cracking recommendations on audio equipment and that kind of stuff. He really knows his stuff. So thank you, Mark. Ace, all of that logged away for next time I need to buy some stuff. But at the end of it, he was asking about backup strategies and that kind of thing. And you and... You and I, the other week, have been talking Mm. about photos and backup. Yes. So we're at home. We might be saving a little bit of time on our commute. We've Mm. been home for 10 weeks or 12 weeks now, so the house is clean. All the jobs are done. It's time to do some digital cleanup. Yes. Talk to me about photos because you have a scary number of photos, and I couldn't for the life of me fathom how you manage them all. All Right. Okay. So I have uh, 745 gigabytes of photos and video. That's quite a lot. Well, remember, it's three children, three children, and, you know, we do want to chronicle it. And I would imagine quite a lot of those photos aren't entirely relevant. I mean, yeah, because I, I take a lot. You know, I'll take 20. They're not keepers. <laughs> a lot of them are not keepers. And I try and delete them, but it's, I've, we've got a lot. And actually, a lot of that is video. And we use Google Photos. So my wife and I use Google Photos. We have one account. 
it's a uh, uh, premium Google Photos, uh, what do you call it, a G Suite account. And so my wife's phone and my phone back up there. And that's where we browse everything. Now, the problem that I've had for the longest time, and I think we've discussed this many times, is I really, really do enjoy Google Photos. I think it's a really efficient interface, very smart options. I don't like, I, I think iPhotos could be a lot, lot better. I, I, I'm constantly frustrated with iPhotos and then how it manages the library and the photos and so on. So Google has been wonderful. The major issue, and both of you have been very, very uh, helpful in saying, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You shouldn't keep everything in the cloud. So for the longest time, I have used the Google Drive connectivity with Google Photos so that I have a backup. So basically, I rigged up Google Drive on one of my computers to download all of those photos and video. Uh, so yeah, the three or 400 gig at this point and store it on a terabyte drive and then back that up with Dropbox or something else, right? So I had double, triple copies, uh, local copies of all of those photos because my wife in particular would be horrified if we didn't copy me too. I, I want to have backups of, of all of this. Last year, Google disconnected the capability to allow you to constantly sync your Google Photos via Google Drive. Let me just check. Mm. So it used to be the case, because I'm not a Google Photos user, yeah. that Google Photos would sync the photos that you'd put into it mm. into a file system that you could access through Google Drive. And that was like a completely separate yes. copy. You basically, uh, I remember it being a checkbox. You could say, you know, show my photos as files, basically, which is awesome and really good. And that's how you got the originals onto your laptop and then onto any storage backup facility you wanted. Okay, really, yeah. really efficient. Google stopped doing that. They, uh, it was something around, you know, it was confusing for users and it could well be. Okay, so that meant that basically from, I think it might have been June or July, whatever it was last year, I had no backups. So I've been doing everything. I've been using rsync on a Linux instance to bring photos down using the Google API. That's been annoying. I've been using uh, various different apps and services nothing has been working perfectly. I've got some, you know, backups if and when, but it's not been good enough. And then I realized, I just happened to look um, a couple of weeks ago to see that the Google Takeout has been a thing, right? So Google Takeout is their export facility and you could always export your photos and video from Google Takeout, but with 300, 400 gig and now almost 800 gig, basically you say export and then, you know, a couple of days later, Google would send you a link to download, you know, 128 files that you have to download sequentially at two gig each. It was not ideal. I always thought that takeout was like for when you wanted to close your account, essentially, you know, do one export no, and then yeah. leave. In fairness to Google, the takeout is really, really good now. And I think what I'm talking about was an earlier version, basically. It was quite frustrating if you had a lot of data, but at least you could get the data out and just you know, copy it. Now, it looks like finally they have received the feedback. And with takeout, you can now, this is quite cool, you can now go into the kind of security settings and, and data settings and you go into takeout and say, right, I want to export all of my photos and video. You can choose Dropbox, Box, OneDrive. I think that's the, yeah, basically some popular storage providers. And you can export up to 50 gig at a time in archive zip format because it was, from memory, it was two gig or maybe 10 gig, but 50 gig archives is manageable for me, right? If I've got almost 800 gig. Yeah. Now, it means there's quite a lot of exports, but what it will also do is you can say, do this 
every two months. So take a whole copy of my 800 gig, send it over to Dropbox, OneDrive, Box, whatever, send it over there, but do it every two months. So the UmaCloud backup strategy is use takeout to regularly every two months sync data yep. to another service. And you, you said a bunch of services there that weren't Google services. No, the, kudos to Google. You have to, you authorize OneDrive or Dropbox or whatever. Yeah. And then it just, it creates a, a folder within apps, standard process for this kind of thing. And it sends all the data there. Now I've got my export. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. And hope, theoretically in two months, it should do it again. And uh, have you ever tested a restore? I've unzipped the archive file and then seen all my files, all the videos and played them. So yeah, it seems to work. Yeah. So it looks good. What about the metadata and all that kind of stuff? Um, the, no, I don't, yeah, you can't, they do export that. I don't care about that. These are originals. Yeah. Original quality. So the metadata is in there. So I don't mind, but that's fine. It's the actual photo of the child or the video of the child skiing or whatever. That's what I, I, I worry about. Then of course, because I've got one driver, Dropbox, that is syncing down to my computers. So I've got multiple computers, multiple physical drives, backups. And I've even got Backblaze. You know, Backblaze, they're going to back up. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I feel so much happier. Thank you, Google. You did the right thing there. And could we now have 100 gig archives, please? Because it's time for me to break out the 321 rule, which I know some people think is a bit outdated, but I think it's still useful. It's three copies of your data, two backup copies on different media, and one offsite. That's good. Yeah. And I've interpreted different media to be different cloud providers if you're using mm. cloud providers. Mm. So Rafe Blanford, Human Cloud has made his peace with Google Photos and they're finally doing an export that means it's safe for him to use it rather than just leave all his data in there, which is what he was doing for years. What about the Blanford photo archive? Yeah, what's your policy? So I sort of did spend a lot of time having it duplicated on the computer and in Google Photos and I've moved between different clouds. At one point it was OneDrive. And there's still a lot of archive stuff there, but I'm not really adding to it anymore. But most of the photos I take are on iPhone or an Android device. And actually, they just go straight up to Google Photos. And I haven't recently thought about kind of doing an archive. (gasps) What? Shocking. Or a backup off of that, which I know is pretty shocking. And actually, listening to this, I go, yeah, I need to do something about that. I do also have a kind of standalone camera, which I do use on holidays when I go on special trips. And those are sitting on a PC and they're backed up regularly. But I suspect I'm not unusual now in kind of relying on Google Photos. iCloud. And iCloud to sort of have a copy of data. So, you know, in fact, it is going to two places, but that wasn't a very conscious decision. And obviously, I don't have that on the Android phone, although I'm using an iPhone really as my primary device most of the time at the moment. I do actually have a favorites folder on Google Photos, which is the photos that I would consider most precious. And those I have made an effort to manually download and keep mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm. But part of me goes, and it's sort of the wrong response um, and will suitably horrify listeners and both of you. Yes. I kind of have a point of view like, if Google Photos and the storage there fails, yeah, what am I going to do? Yeah, I'd lose it because it's probably 99%. Oh, come on. You better do something here. But I think this does change depending on how much value you put on your photos. And while I'd be upset about it, the ones that are older, I definitely do have downloaded and archived. 
and where else. It's probably just the ones from the last year. So it's something I need to revisit and look at basically. And I'm going to look at Ewan's options here because actually, frankly, I kind of, you know, just set it up and forget that it's just going on and being put into another format and, you know, following Ben's rule here. And then, yes, probably doing a manual download. And now that on a fast fiber connection, we'll be able to do that even with several hundred gigabytes of photos and stick them onto a hard drive, which I'd then probably swap out and leave one in Sussex, one in London. So I've got that kind of added reassurance. Mm. Shay Smith, we're all on Macs and iOS. So all our photos live in there, including all the precious ones you and like yours, you know, the mm. first days of the baby and his exactly. first steps and all that kind of stuff. So it's incredibly precious. And we use the iOS shared photos feature with family as well, which is a sort of double lock-in because you can't easily export those photos and you certainly can't keep the conversation around those photos and the comments and things. It's almost like a private kind of Facebook feed, as it Mm. were, that we use for the family. And that worried me because I love the ease. I don't think we would get our family using other services because it's just sort of baked into all the devices they own and we've bought you know, Nan and Grandad, an iPad, and it means they can participate and all that kind of stuff, but it's a problem there. So I've slightly adapted the strategy I talked about in previous episodes. And so essentially all in on iPhotos, that's fine. Don't trust Apple to have the only copy of my data though. Mm -hmm. So I pay to have an Apple Mac on all the time somewhere else. In my case, I have it in a data center in the US, in LA, a hosted Mac, it's set up, you can configure iPhotos in one of two ways, either just to have recent photos or to have a full download of everything. So that Mac is set to download everything and it also caches all of the shared photo albums. And that's my non-Apple copy because if Apple was to go away or if something was to fail, I've got a complete working copy, not just of the photos, but also of the software that I need to access them. And that Mac is then also attached to a time machine backup that means that I could go back and if iPhoto became corrupted or if Apple did something obnoxious and deleted a bunch of photos and those deletions synchronized down into my backups, I could go back for years because I have a a huge disk and pick a point in time. It's a relatively expensive strategy, but I use it for several apps. So I use it for iPhotos, I use it for Evernote, I use it for all of my email So on that Mac, I have programs that download and archive all my email. I have an Evernote client that downloads all my notes. I have iPhotos that downloads all my photos. And because I don't have anywhere safe to leave it, I leave it in a data center. But you could just as easily, if you had like a family, you could swap machines. You know, if you have an old laptop or something like that, a second machine, you could take that approach. Mm. And then at home, we have a NAS, which I used to use and have all kinds of complicated backups that also went to that machine. But actually, right now, the data I use is in Dropbox all the time, and Dropbox is synced across all those machines. So I have my multiple copies, and I pay Dropbox to maintain version control. Mm. So my actual files are probably slightly less diverse. But actually, I'm now at the point where the amount of times where I work on a distinct file or want to back up a distinct file is very limited. I'm nearly always working in a cloud service where it's the app and the data storage is all together. But mm. for photos, particularly, which I think Mark was hinting at, I use Mac Stadium, which you know will do hosting for you. You could just as easily set up a similar thing with Amazon with a virtual server or something like that. Yep. And I quite like that because the difference between my strategy and your strategy is that I back up a usable interface of the apps as well. So Mm. if Google pushes out a corrupted client on Google Photos, 
that either corrupts your photo library or just means you can't use it. My backup solution has a, an archive of the software to access mm. it as well. Mm. I'm sure there's a million ways it could break, but in terms of things that have actually broken for me on the times that things have gone wrong, it's normally been around the software just waking up going one day, oh, I can't read your photo library anymore. Mm. And you, so your heart sinks. And that's the point where actually, ah, oh, it wasn't something dumb I did. It didn't get deleted. It wasn't the disk that failed. It was the software that corrupted the library. But also, the more I talk about it, the more I reflect the fact that a lot of that cost is based on the fact that I feel I'm locked into iPhotos. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're starting off, if you're just about to, you know, perhaps if you haven't got a young family yet, but you might have in the future, or if you know you're going to go on a big trip or something, and you can sort of foresee generating a lot of photos, there might be other ways to plan around that because we sort of slept walked into that. Well, I think it would be really useful, again, to hear from listeners. How do you do this? Right? What's your strategy? What's your plan? What are we missing? The cardinal rule is just because Dropbox or iCloud Drive or Evernote or Google Photos or any of that kind of stuff says, oh, don't worry, we're all backed up in the cloud. Mm-hmm. For me, I always want the working version that's on my laptop in front of me and I want another version because I don't want to have to have a laptop with a terabyte drive in it. My local copy of my photos is the one I carry around with me on my everyday mm-hmm. laptop. You know, that's an incredibly expensive way to solve that problem. If you only use desktop machines, it might be doable because you could just plug an external drive in, but uh, give it a try. I don't use any backup software. All I do is stick all the client software for these things on another machine and put it somewhere safe, and it's in a fireproof air-conditioned data center. So that's the plan. I still have a Synology NAS that sits downstairs and it's got a few files on it, but actually I think the days of needing to have you know, high volume storage in the house. Last time I did it, it was so we could have all our ripped CDs. I've got Spotify now. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might just uh, get rid of that because we hardly ever use it at all now. And Mark asked, has anything changed? And yeah, that's what's changed. I don't need to worry about backing that up. I mean, it is backed up, but frankly, I could turn it off and we wouldn't notice it. Okay. Right. That's us done. Thank you very much, gents. Always a pleasure. We would be intrigued to know your backup solutions. And if you've got any tips for Rafe Blanford about how he can have a, live a more high-risk lifestyle by just throwing all of his valuable data at <laughs> Google and hoping it all comes good. Yeah. Do you pay Google <laughs> for any of their services? I do, yes. Okay. I don't get to mock you for just, oh, the free service <laughs> that I use went away. It's amazing. Yeah. Especially with Google's famous uh, attention to detail and uh, keeping their services live. Just one day they wake up and go, oh, I don't care about that anymore. Turn that service off. And you know, I was using that to read my RSS. <laughs> that is a concern. That is a concern. Yeah. 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 Okay. As ever, we'd love your feedback. Please, 361podcast.com and at 361podcast on Twitter. Thank you to everyone who supports the show via Patreon. If you'd like to do that, you can go to 361podcast.com slash support. You can support the show from $1 per episode. Helps with production costs. We will never make a profit on this show, I promise. Okay, gentlemen, always a pleasure. Good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Rafe Blanford looks like he needs to go to bed, so we will end the show. I think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, gents, and thank you, listeners. And we'll be back next week, or nearly next week, depending on how long time goes. Bye bye. <sighs> okay, right. So we need to do the. Um... Yep, definitely. Yeah. I think it's my turn. Is it my turn? I believe it is, yes. I'm going to do it in three or four takes <laughs> this time. Well, it's an improvement on you lying about doing it in zero takes. Unless <laughs> we, we're what, talking about, what, what, I can't remember what we talked about. <laughs> it was going so well. Okay, right, you ready? Just uh, zero takes. Yep. Okay. Three, two.
One. We don't need to do claps at the end, you muppet. Yeah, and there's no point doing a clap just on your own either. <laughs> okay. All right, I know. Right, okay. <laughs> just for your own entertainment. <laughs> okay. I do three, two, one, and then you're just silent. Thanks. Well, you have to speak first, Ewan. Then we say something. Then you say something else. That's how it works, remember? Focus, focus. Yeah, 18 seasons in, we've nailed this format. <laughs> right, come on, focus, Blanford, focus. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod. Photos and keeping your data safe and follow-ups from listener feedback. That's version one. There we go. Right, more energy and no stumbling over the words. So like, take one, no. Let's go on to take two. I didn't stumble, but that was take one. take two, come on. Energy, no stumbling. Okay, you ready? Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ewan McLeod. And I'm about to be fired. <laughs> no? yeah. Okay, all right. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast... Mo- oh, that didn't work. Take three. You said three or four. I did say three or four, all right? I'm sticking to my word. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ewan McLeod. Photos on keeping your data safe. And follow up some listener feedback. Yeah, it's acceptable. Three takes, well done, Ewan. That was a good, solid performance. There was an or in there, so. Hello and welcome to 361, a podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ewan McLeod. There we go. Thanks, that was the or. Right. (laughs) Okay. This is season 18, episode 7. Take five. Okay. No, I was doing the or. Take six. Okay. Were you happy with the other one? Can't remember it now. It seemed fine. Fine. Let's go with it. Thanks for that. I mean, let's not subject Mark to any more of Ewan's takes. <laughs> All right, let's just do a joke. Come on. I don't have any jokes. Right, go on, Blanford. Let's just sort this out. Um, silly jokes. Oh, no, he's Googling silly jokes now. I mean, a, all kinds of copyright problems, because at least we can pretend that Ben made them up and didn't get them via WhatsApp from his friends. Uh, okay. What gets wetter the more it dries? Oh, dear God. Come on, you know this. Tau. Well done. You guys are good. There's some serious IQ going on here. <laughs> See, I was going to go for the Red Sea, but then decided it didn't get wetter because technically the saline content increases and it's actually less wet than it was before. But anyway. <sighs> oh, I love you. I love you so much, Rafe Blanford. I love you too, Ewan. Perhaps that will um, be one of those episodes where we just don't have any chat before or after. <laughs> just... Cuts dead. (laughs) (laughs) And we all go and get on with our lives and do something productive for society. (laughs) 